podcast. We are here to root deep in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. My name is Ben Jacobson. I am one of the pastors here at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota. I am joined today by my colleague, Pastor Paul Ninus. Paul, welcome. Hey, hey. How we doing? Glad to have you here. Wow, the audience is celebrating. We're excited. Yeah, we are excited. We've been walking through the Old Testament. We've covered uh, what it means to be in the image of God. We've covered the, the paradise of creation and the Garden of Eden. We've talked about Jacob, who wrestled with God. We've talked about Moses. We've talked about the Shema. We've talked about Ruth. We've talked about the, the time of kings in Israel with King David uh, in particular. And we've talked about where that went south. And uh, the prophet Elijah talking about um, confronting some of the, the problems in Israel and with God's people. And now today we're going to talk about another prophet whose name is Isaiah. And so we're excited for that. He's going to talk, Isaiah is going to talk about a Messiah, someone who will come and restore what has been lost, broken, what needs redemption, will be redeemed. Um, and I think in so many ways, this messianic figure that he's talking about is like the heroes that we look to in our lives or the heroes that we experience uh, in our lives. Paul, who, when you were growing up, was one of your favorite heroes to read about or watch on TV? Or Sure, lots. I mean, I love that sort of stuff when yeah. I was a kid. Science fiction. I would say I love the Hulk. The Hulk, okay. The Hulk was cool because the Hulk smashes. Yeah. Right? And just that transformation from being kind of weak mm. to super strong. Mm-hmm. I like the Hulk. I also like Star Wars, so Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. Star Wars thing. I also had read. I like to read at a very young age. So one of the first things that I remember reading as a young man was uh, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And so that's just full of heroes. Yeah, some... Some archetypical ones and some less likely ones. Yes, yeah, right. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Strider was really cool. Yeah. I uh, I liked Westerns. You oh, did? I loved them. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me about you. <laughs> I liked Westerns. And, you know, I was thinking, so I was thinking about heroes, thinking about, like, so the qualities. So you liked, like, John Wayne? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel lucky, Ben? <laughs> well, do you? Yeah, and uh, thinking about, you know, the people that we look up to are usually the ones who are like the Hulk, who are strong, who have this sense of what's right and what's wrong. Um, they have grit, determination. They they don't stop when trouble gets in their way. Um, those kind of people give us, I think they inspire us and they, well, they entertain us and all sorts of good things, but we're going to hear about a hero. They make the unjust just. Yeah. With great might and power. Yes. They correct the things that are not right. Correct. And I think that's why we like heroes probably so much is because we we know in our own lives that there are things that aren't right. We know in our world that there are things that aren't right. And we want to know, trust, and believe that there's someone who can put an end to the evils of the world, right? Right. We see people being taken advantage. We see the poor. We see the underdog somehow being exploited by someone who is in power 
and is using that power corruptly. And it feels helpless. Mm-hmm. And so these heroes come in with some sort of supernatural power mm-hmm. or ability, and they restore that, mm-hmm. that balance. Mm-hmm. The hero that Isaiah talks about is not a fiction or a fantasy, but a uh, real thing yeah. for you and for me and for all of us. And so let's hear about that, and let's, let's talk about what that means for us as people of faith. We're going to read from Isaiah. This is the 11th chapter. And it starts with the first verse. I'm going to read the whole chapter, and we'll talk about it. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, Or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. The righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. In that day... The root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations. And gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Ephraim's jealousy will vanish, and Judah's enemies will be destroyed. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, nor Judah hostile towards Ephraim. They will swoop down the slopes of Philistia to the west. Together they will plunder the people to the east. They will subdue Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites will be subject to them. The Lord will dry up the gulf of the Egyptian sea. With a scorching wind, he will sweep his hand over the Euphrates River. He will break it up into seven streams so that anyone can cross over in sandals. There will be a highway for the remnants of his people that is left from Assyria, as there was for Israel when they came up from Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. So one of the things we always do here, and one of the things you can do as you're reading scripture at home or by yourself or even with a group of people is just to stop as you read and to ask the questions, what are the things that I notice and what are the questions that I have? Paul, as you hear that and as we read that, what, what things stand out to you? Yeah. Can I... 
give a little background. Yeah, absolutely. I think that will help us understand. I yeah. think there's some definitions that are needed. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. stuff in here that maybe for us who have been in the church for a while get, mm-hmm. but for someone who's just reading like, well, who is that? And what does this have to do with anything? Yep. So first of all, to understand Isaiah. So Isaiah is a prophet, mm-hmm. and an Old Testament prophet served two purposes. Their job was to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Mm-hmm. And so they spoke in, in language They'd either looked at people who were unjust or, or, or exploiting someone and said, hey, woe is you. You better mm-hmm. get this right or God's mm-hmm. wrath is coming. Mm-hmm. Or they looked at people who were experiencing persecution and gave them words of comfort. Hey, mm-hmm. this is going to get better. Mm-hmm. God does not forget. Mm-hmm. He is with us. He will restore. This chapter in Isaiah 11 is speaking to a people this is important to understand, a a people that are in exile, a people that have lost that rootedness and that unity that they had as a nation, as a people of God. And so he's speaking specifically a word of comfort to them. He says, a shoot will come out of the root of Jesse. Well, who was was Jesse? Jesse is David's dad, King Mm -hmm. David's dad. Jesse is the grandson of Boaz and Ruth. Which we covered in a previous episode. Right. Yep. And so he's part of this, this lineage this, that the Messiah is going to, to come through. So that's why that is Im- important in here. What a poetic way to say uh, <laughs> someone from this family is going to come out. You know, right. A shoot will come from the a stump. Shoot, of a shoot's going to come. And so the stump, the stump is this kingdom that has been divided and reduced to basically nothing, attacked from... Assyria and sent into exile, captured. Um. Correct. Yeah, things are tumultuous. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this message is a message, hey, one is coming. Someone's coming. And this person will, with wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, with all these attributes mm-hmm. of Goodness, because they've experienced in this division some rotten kings mm-hmm. that are more concerned with power and, and exploiting perhaps people and fighting with each other. One's going to come, a king's going to come that is truly going to be righteous, truly going to be a person of God mm-hmm. that stands up for what's right in this world and decrees with his words righteous judgment, not because it earns people's favor or not because it. You know, it's the thing to do, but because it stands on on the righteousness, which is a gift, this right judgment that comes from God. And there's a sense, right, and I think it's understand, as Isaiah speaks, that, that this king that's coming, it's a geopolitical unity that they bring, peace, war will end, right? This longing for things to be peaceful and for people to prosper, war will end. And also there's a, a spiritual sense to this. There's a Isaiah in their prophecy as they're comforting the afflicted. Oftentimes it points to a messianic fulfillment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And this is something the people in Isaiah's time wouldn't have seen. I mean, they, they're, they're thinking this king, mm-hmm. they're thinking another David-like figure mm-hmm. who's going to come and restore Israel and bring back the remnants mm-hmm that have been lost and, and, and usher in this era of peace. So less of a spiritual reality, more right. of a physical, this is going to happen right here. 
But Isaiah goes to, to that and says, yeah, that's going to happen. But also, here's this reality. The, the wolf's going to lie down with the lamb. Right? The infant is going to, you know, hang out with a snake. Mm-hmm. It just seems, what is that about? And so there's a sense that it goes right back to the beginning of creation, right back to the garden. In the garden, uh, you get a sense in, in Genesis that there wasn't predator prey, uh, that all the animals, they, they fed off the, the grasses of the field and, and the fruit of the tree and, and all those uh, things that, that they had. Yeah, they were given things to eat that were assigned to them, right? Right. And so were, so were humans, and so it was a place without violence, yeah, and even so, natural violence. Right. In, in, in Isaiah's time, when most people were perhaps living in the countryside, things like wolves and predators, bears, all those types of things were a threat. They were dangerous. Mm-hmm. They were dangerous to their livelihood, their livestock, because it's domestic animals lie down with wild animals, right? Mm-hmm. But they're also maybe threatened to their children, uh, to, to their safety. And, and it's going to come a day when we're going to be restored in this sense of a return to the garden. So in Isaiah, there's both this political sense of peace and a, a deeper spiritual one that the whole world is going to be redeemed by this, this coming king that will save us and will we'll draw back the remnant, will restore his people. Yeah, and it's interesting as you look at the, the chapter, it's kind of broken up. Um, first, you have this promise that this shoot will come. Then you have almost like the resume of what this person will be like. Sure. Uh, you know, you've got this, the spirit of the Lord, which you talked about. It talks about what he will do. And then at, at verse 6 comes this vision of what that kingdom will look like. It's going to be wolves laying down with lambs and leopards with goats. And like you said, wild and domestic animals, enemies together in peace. And you've got a little child leading them in this, which when you think of a hero or a Messiah or the person who's going to do what nobody else can do, you don't think of a child. No. No. What else? What else do we see in this passage? I think one of the things that that I hear and see is a deep longing for justice, a deep longing for peace, which the Hebrew word for peace, peace of course, is shalom. Mm -hmm. And shalom means more than just the absence of violence or conflict. Shalom means the presence of God even sometimes in the midst of the brokenness. And so shalom is, a, is God's covering over us that brings peace in our lives. And I think that resonates for me. You know, I'm, I'm watching the news just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I see the injustice in the world, right? I see two wars, yeah. war between Ukraine and, and Russia. I see Israel um, suffering terrorist attacks and... A, a war that erupts Israel-Palestine, Israel-Hamas. And a lot of people globally fighting about that, who's right, who's wrong, mm-hmm. and what are we to do with this thing. And, and I think for most of us, we have a longing for peace. You know, to see the, the images of, of innocence, mm-hmm. children, families, 
mm-hmm. hurt mm-hmm. by the inability of us as adults to get along and to compromise and to negotiate and to share. Man, that resonates with me. I don't know about you, Ben, uh, but my heart is broken by that in this world, and I long for restoration. Absolutely. I long for a day when there's peace on earth. And it seems, in so many ways, it seems unimaginable and unattainable. And in our own, by ourselves it is. And that's why I think here Isaiah's vision is... Yeah, you kind of feel like helpless. What, yeah. what could you do to change this? Yeah. And here Isaiah's vision is, it says, something that seems impossible to you for a wolf and a lamb, for right. enemies to the core to be able to lay down together, that will happen and it can happen because of God and only through the presence of God. Yeah, we're, it's not something that is possible by hu- humans' power. So, so you know, we have all, I think, we all have our own stumps. When you look out at the world, right, you mm-hmm. know, we see things that are reduced to nothing or they're not growing and flourishing as they should. They're dead places, places like war. And uh, it, it gets even closer to home with things like grief or the loss of a job or, you know, the loss of any hope that you had in your life or a diagnosis. There, our life is, is full of things that, that seem to be at the end. Unchangeable. And, yeah, stuck. And so how does this passage speak to us there? Because I, I think that's the beauty of Scripture is, yes, it's talking about a certain people at a certain time in a certain place, and it's also talking about you and me. Yeah. Well, I think in in a couple ways. The first is I think you're absolutely right that there's places that we get stuck in. And there's also a sense that there's relationships. If you live life long enough, you're probably going to discover relationships that are just broken. Mm-hmm. People that maybe you've tried to get along with them, you've tried to reconcile a difference. And it seems like the only solution is for you to be in conflict and go your separate ways, that there's really not any hope of, of restoration. And those things are often the most painful. The, you know, I've, I've experienced that where you have situations and circumstances that they're good, all good people involved in this, but the division, the hurt, whatever happened, there's multiple perspectives, views on that, and the path is chosen, and it results in, in a lot of pain. And so this speaks to this, that it may not be possible in my power for reconciliation, Mm -hmm. but by God's, absolutely. That even maybe the most broken relationships we have in life could be restored by this coming king, this coming Messiah. Mm -hmm. And we know that as Christians, that that supernatural gift that does that is in Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. who comes not as this conquering king, not like the Hulk, right? Not with military might and power, right. but comes like a lamb. Meek comes as a baby, as a child. Comes as someone who is a servant, who gives selflessly. And yet influences our world today and our future tomorrow more so than any other person that's ever walked the planet. Through that selfless love that's given away. 
and it's only through the forgiveness and mercy that he offers can our hearts that, that are hardened by this world really be changed and in relationships that that seem to be very very broken be restored and I, and so we're in this this place of faith where we hold on to we believe sometimes we see restoration in the immediate mm-hmm. sometimes we're in a not yet mm-hmm. sort of place mm-hmm. and i would encourage if we're in that place to just keep on praying, keep on asking God to restore because God can change the most hardened of hearts. And we're at a someday situation, even if it's not possible in, in this life, there's going to come a day when that king sits on the throne mm-hmm. again that those things that weren't redeemed in, in our life will be restored, will be made right. And so we have, a, we have a desire in us for, for justice. We have a desire in us for restoration, for peace. And, and this points to the one that can bring that. I think of, you know, this passage to me is one that's it's filled with a someday hope that someday things will be made right. And like you said, you know, some things are, are made right in our lifetime, some are not. Um, hope, that word, I think is one of the most important things that we cling to as people of faith. How is it that knowing, ne- maybe not every detail of what the end looks like, because we don't know all the details of the end, which is actually a beginning in its own right, but how does know- having hope in a future that God promises, how does that change how we live right now? Absolutely. So it's a both end. Mm-hmm. It's not an either or. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. This restoration that he gives us and the hope that he gives us is not just a one day, someday reality. Mm-hmm. It's also a right here, right now mm-hmm. presence it's of God. Sure. A someday that starts today. Yep. A someday that starts today. And our hope is ultimately in that end goal. And so that's why it's, I think it's important to look at texts like Isaiah but also look to, to Revelation and say, what, what is God doing? Well, interesting, in Isaiah and in Revelation, one of the common Christian misconceptions is that the earth is going to be destroyed and, and the kingdom of heaven is just going to take over. Mm-hmm. It's not what it says in the end. Mm-hmm. It says heaven and earth collide. Mm-hmm. And earth is redeemed mm-hmm. by the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. meaning earth isn't ultimately destroyed and God starts over, all of creation is redeemed by his love and by his, God's presence. That's the goal. That's, that's the hope. Where we are right now is we're in the process of moving towards that redemptive restoration. And so for the Christian, this is extremely important. We're not to be in a position where we say, oh, yep, the world, it's all going to pot. Yep. I just got to sit by. I got to somehow survive. Hide out and wait until the day comes. Dig the bunker and, yep. you know, find my group and hide out till the day comes, right, and, and wait because I have nothing or no capability of doing that. No. Heaven's come to earth already in Jesus Christ, and the redemptive process has begun. It's not yet fulfilled. Yep. The collision has happened. But the collision has happened, and you have a role in it, Ben. Now that your heart has been redeemed, Mm -hmm. 
now that you know this coming king, this coming Messiah, that restores and gives you a peace which passes all understanding, you have a role to go out into this world and share that and begin this restorative process in this world with God's power and might, mm-hmm. not by your own strength. Which is why in our baptisms, we pray that that same spirit that rests on Jesus would rest on the, the believer, the ba- you know, that, yeah. the, the child or the adult who is baptized. We pray that the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord would rest on that person so right, that we part can of the, go out. It's our part liturgy. Of, yeah. yeah, we speak those words with the understanding that then we are sent out in the world as proclaimers of that promise to, you know, you would, you would read a book differently if you read the ending first. Right. You'd read slower. <laughs> you might, you wouldn't be trying to get to the end because you know where it ends. And then you can just take your time. And get, that's what faith is. We've, we've read the end of the book. We know how it ends. And so now we get to help turn the pages as we get there. Yeah. And our hope you know, because you're right, hope is not, is not a wishful thought. It, you know, that would be the dictionary definition of hope, that I, I hope or desire, a desire that a, a preferred outcome would happen. Mm-hmm. Like that I hope that the Vikings win the Super Bowl, right? I'm going to be waiting a while, I think. Um, I think you will be. You know, I hope that I get that promotion. I hope that this goes my way. That's a wishful thought. And those things can either come true or they can be dashed. The hope that we have as Christians is in the resurrection reality of Jesus Christ. So our hope is in the certitude of Jesus and the promises that are made by God. And that's a different type of hope. That's a hope that changes things. And in a hope that changes my life, changes yours. And we're to be on a mission with that hope, right? So we know the goal. We know the, the preferred outcome. Isaiah says it. Mm-hmm. Other parts of other prophets, other places, Jesus says it, Revelation says it. We've read the end of the book. We know God's intention for creation. And so, no, our goal is to be a part of it. And so this tells us what God is doing and also who we are in the midst of that. And don't you think that changes how we look at other people and see other people and interact with the world around us when we know that ultimately God's desire and hope would be that, that his kingdom would reign over all the earth and in every life? When I see someone else who I might be at odds with or in conflict with, do I see them now differently? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we just, we've been preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. And in Matthew's gospel on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, who's our example and our Savior, Jesus, who is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, teaches one of the most unique teachings in the world of all major religions or minor religions, and Jesus teaches it, and that's love your enemies. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. How, how is this going to happen unless someday we're able to see our even our enemies, the people that we can't stand, we completely don't understand, as we see as the evil, that we're all redeemed <laughs> by God's grace? And I can come to a point where I can love my enemy. 
that's not, I, I don't know how that's going to work. It's only by the supernatural power of, of God's grace and forgiveness that I could come to a place where you could love your enemy. Yeah, that that is one of those things that in my head when I hear that, I say, oh, yeah, of course. When I think about actually how that how that would look in this world, I can't even fathom that. But we've seen glimpses of it. We've, we see glimpses of it in Scripture. We see glimpses of it in the lives of faithful people in history. I mean, we've seen what, how God's transforming love can change relationships and change family dynamics and, cha- you know, can do amazing, amazing things. So we know that it's possible and we know that it's true. In fact, I would say it's the only thing that can change things, Ben. What do, wars may solve temporary geopolitical problems. Mm-hmm but they ultimately create more pain, more hurt, more people that hate each other, more injustice that rises down in our lifetime or lifetimes to come. And in hatred, violence only begets more hatred and violence. It doesn't solve things. An exercise of military might and power, while it may be necessary, and that's not the point of, of this podcast, mm-hmm. Well, it may be necessary in this world, it ultimately will not succeed because it creates winners and losers. Only the grace of God changes things. And I think the life of Jesus is absolute testimony to that. I mean, think of Jesus. He, he, he didn't command a military. Mm-hmm. He had no formal education. Mm-hmm. He had no worldly power, no political office. He walked around his last three years of ministry pretty much homeless Mm -hmm. with his disciples. He taught things like love your enemy, turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile. He hung out with the people that society said don't hang out with, lepers, prostitutes, tax collectors, people who were sinful and broken. He he told us to be meek. He, He called us to humility. And he lived that out, those virtues in his life. He lived that wisdom, godly wisdom, and that righteousness, right? Grace and truth out in this world. We don't know what he looked like. There's no statues made of him, no paintings painted of him. He didn't write anything personally. He didn't write a book, although the book was written about him, multiples, right? And they're put into the, the Bible. And so this homeless carpenter, who was born in the middle of nowhere and never had any wealth, power, friends of influence, and did anything by any worldly standard, would have exercised any might, has changed our world more so than any person who has ever walked the planet. Whether or not you believe in Jesus or not the claims that he was the son of God, just from a sheer perspective of history, mm-hmm. if you were an absolute atheist historical mm-hmm. professor, you have to acknowledge that no one has had the, f- the influence on our planet like this man, Jesus. Why? Because the only restorative power that truly can change the world from generation to generation, my heart and yours, and reconcile and redeem what is lost and broken is the love of God, and the love of God put skin on in Jesus Christ and fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy 
and can change your life and change mine. It's our only hope. It's the mission that we're on. And it, ultimately, he's going to come again. And we're going to see this come to reality. We are right on the cusp of the Christmas season, Advent right. season. And I think of this line from Isaiah 11. This is from the, the sixth verse. And it says, and a little child will lead them. And you might be tempted, just like we are, to look at all the problems of the world, look at the stumps, but there's a shoot. There's a little child that is coming who will lead us uh, beyond anything that we can imagine in this world. And so, yes, we do need to look at the world and look at the problems, and we do need to, to have a realistic understanding of sin in this world. But our call is ultimately to look at that little child, the one who will be born in Bethlehem, and let him be the guide. Let him, yeah, hold on to his hand and let him lead us. You want to change things? You want to be part of the solution? You want to know what to do? Follow Jesus. Live in, live in his example. Learn to love as he loved. Forgive as he called us to forgive. Serve as he served. Don't, don't ask the questions of, you know, is somebody worth it or not? That question's been answered. Yeah, Jesus already did. He said we're all worth it. Were we, were, did we earn it? No. He said we're all sinners, right? And we all shall f- fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus on the cross says, even so, we're God's and we're worth it. We're, we're worth it. And so you want to be part of the solution? Do not seek worldly influence, power, prestige, wealth. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus in everything that you do. And then you're going to be a change maker. Then you're going to be a person of influence, not by your own power, but by God's power. Not for your glory, but for God's glory. Amen. Amen. And a little child will lead us. We're back next week, and we will continue our journey through Scripture. Uh, We'll be talking more about the prophets and the words that they spoke next week. So I invite you to subscribe, to like, to share this podcast with the people in your life uh, so that they can be a part of this story, that they can root deep in this story. If you want to know more about Hope Lutheran Church, you can visit us on our website at fargohope.org. And in the meantime, stay deeply rooted.